Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. If you've read The Unhurried Homeschooler and enjoyed it, I really wanna encourage you to check out the four-hour school day because it's like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. You can find all three of those books at Amazon. You can find them at my website, dorendawilson.com, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned. I also want to let you know that I have an online mentoring course. And in this budget-friendly mentoring course, I encourage moms to simplify, slow down, and enjoy their homeschool days with confidence and courage. This online mentoring course will include workshops that help moms grasp what unhurried homeschooling looks like during each of their children's developmental stages, along with lists of resources that I've found helpful over the years. The videos can be watched whenever it works for you. The course also includes extra workshops on mom self-care and nurturing your marriage throughout the homeschool years. I really encourage you to check that out. I'll leave a link in the show notes, or you can just go to theunhurriedhomeschooler.thinkific.com. Okay, today we're going to be talking about foundational apologetics for 8 to 12-year-olds. In the last podcast, we talked about simple apologetics for 4 to 8-year-olds, and now we're bumping it up to the next age bracket. Uh, But some of you who have been following me for a while might remember that back in 2019, I did an interview with Hilary Farrar, one of the authors of Mama Bear Apologetics, and I will link that podcast in the show notes as well for you to listen to. And some of you may be asking, well, I kind of heard the word apologetics, but what does it actually mean? Well, apologetics is the study and practice of giving answers for the reasonableness and truth of the Christian faith. The word comes from the Greek apologia and means to give a defense. In 1 Peter 3.15, Christians are commanded to give an apologia to anyone who asks the reason for our hope. So as Christian moms, we know this is important. But sometimes we're not sure if we can wrap our heads around what that looks like because it's sort of unfamiliar territory to us, Uh, much less teach it to our kids, right? However, as we look around us, we're seeing Christian leaders falling to the wayside, kids leaving the faith in droves, and fellow Christians succumbing to faulty beliefs. So it's here where we begin to see just how important it is to know why we believe what we believe and be able to effectively communicate our faith persuasively. And the 8 to 12-year-old range is such a crucial range to be laying that foundation. Today, I have a very special guest back with us again, Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Um, has been on the podcast before. She did two episodes with me talking about seven lies your children may believe. I'll include that link in the show notes as well. But I'm excited she's back with us and joining us today. If you missed the last episode, you didn't get to hear a little bit of her background, so I want to share that with you. She's a follower of Jesus who is passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. Elizabeth holds a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from Gordon College, an MS Ed in Education from Northern Illinois University, 
and an MA in Christian Apologetics from Biola University. Elizabeth spent the first decade of her professional career teaching elementary students at a Christian school. She now works full-time on developing comparative worldview and apologetics resources for children. Her goal is to prepare the next generation to be lifelong critical thinkers and, most importantly, lifelong disciples of Jesus. Now, I believe, Elizabeth, weren't you a contributor to Mama Bear Apologetics? Uh, not to their book, but I have okay. contributed um, some on their website. <laughs> okay. I knew there was some sort of connection there, yes. but welcome. We're so glad you're with us today. Thanks for joining us again. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Dorinda. Well, I would love to ask you a few questions. The first is, why did you decide to put together Foundation Worldview's uh, new study, the Bible Curriculum? Oh, I love that question <laughs> because I'm so passionate about God's word, as I know I would assume the majority of your listeners are as well. And I would assume that even many who have chosen to homeschool have chosen to homeschool because of their firm belief in the truth of scripture. And so I actually had this moment one day when I was teaching uh, third graders at a Christian school where I was teaching and I was teaching this high energy, engaging Bible lesson. And I was watching my students be involved in the lesson. And I was like, wow, I'm so happy that like I'm making the Bible come alive for my students. And I was so grateful. And then I had this thought, what are they going to do over the summer when I'm not there to plan Bible lessons for them? Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, are they going to have any daily interaction with scripture on their own? And mm -hmm. I knew the answer to that question without a doubt that the answer was no. You know, some of my students' parents I knew would take them through devotional books, which I was grateful for, you know, or would still have them memorize scripture over the summer. But I realized that I had not given these kids in my care any tools to read, interpret, and apply scripture on their own. And so that's when mm -hmm. I changed my game plan. I came back the next day and rather than going through the lesson plan that I had created, I said, you know what, we're going to start to read God's word. <laughs> we're just going to read it and I'm going to give them skills that they can then implement to read it on their own. Because for some reason, one thing that I've noticed within the Christian community, you know, whether it's the homeschool community or the church at large, is we tend to be passionate about raising children who are equipped to tackle life. You know, we don't want our mm -hmm. children living with us when they're in their early 30s. You know, we don't want to be cooking them breakfast every morning when they're 28 right. years old. You know, like when they have children of their own, we want, you know, those grandbabies to come on over and we want to love on them, but we don't want to be the primary ones who are raising them, you know, in everything mm -hmm. that we do, we're trying to equip our kids for independence. Yet for some reason, when it comes to reading scripture, we tend to rely on Bible study books or devotional books. And there are definitely places for those materials. But if that's all we're immersing our kids in, what we're doing is we're creating dependence either on ourselves or on the author of those resources where our children should be equipped by the time they leave our home, you know, even years before they leave our home to read God's word so that they can seek God through his word all the days of their life. And so that's why I developed this curriculum. You know, my team, we developed this so that we can equip parents to equip their kids to read, interpret and apply scripture. 
And I love that because even if you're a new Christian, you know, there's a lot of um, homeschooling parents out there that are first-generation Christians. Mm. And this could seem very intimidating, but the beauty of this is we can learn right alongside of our kids. And that's exciting because not only are we equipping our kids, we are equipping ourselves as well. And I would just as soon start with an eight to 12 year old curriculum. I think that would be appropriate, you know, for, for just, you know, if I haven't had that foundation laid, um, in, in my life, um, it would be great to go back and experience that with my kids and what a bonding thing to do as well. Absolutely. So uh, second question is studying the Bible curriculum, another Sunday school lesson. What makes it different? I think you kind of mentioned that in the, in answering the last question, but what makes this curriculum different from other Bible curriculums out there for eight to 12 year olds? Yes. Well, it's a really bad business model for us as a company <laughs> because the goal <laughs> is <laughs> by the time you're done with this curriculum, you will not need another Bible curriculum from us. <laughs> I'm saying it's a terrible <laughs> business model, but it's a really great discipleship model. Um, mm. And so we know that there are other curriculums out there and there are other curriculums that we recommend. You know, we're not mm-hmm. saying we're the only ones out there doing something good. That is not true. Right. And praise the Lord, that is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is different. Different, kind of like I said before, in that we're not trying to just take kids through one book of the Bible or through, you know, a certain study of a certain type of theology. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create independence. So we're trying to give them the skills that they need to pick up the Bible at any time in any place and understand, okay, this passage I'm reading, you know, where does it fit into God's grand story? You know, what does he, what do these verses mean in context? You know, what Mm -hmm. is God showing in his grand narrative in this story. And so we really want to equip kids with the skills that they need to then read the Bible without us there as curriculum writers, as the guide, you know, I, um, I was so excited just actually a few weeks before we released this curriculum. It was just such a sweet time because my brother, he gave me a call. He had just come back from uh, his annual physical and his doctor has a son who was in my class one year when I started to teach my students how to read scripture. And when my brother's doctor found out that he was my brother, he said, Oh, you need to tell your sister, you know, that my son's about to graduate in a few weeks. And he has already read through the Bible three times independently, you know, since being in her classroom. And that was just such an exciting Mm -hmm. moment, you know, for me to hear like, wow, you know, the senior in high school is still taking those skills that we developed when he was in third grade, you know, and and he's gone through God's word three times and, you know, word willing, this will just be, you know, the start of his journey of seeking God through his word. So that's really what distinguishes this from other resources out there in that we're not trying to guide kids through a specific book of the Bible or a specific concept, we're trying to say, okay, like here's the skills that you need to be able to read God's word, any part of it in any context, any place. So you would say that was the goal for, for studying the the Bible curriculum. That was your goal is that they would be able to do that. Um, Is there, is there, so, so kind of recap that what, what, what is your goal for the studying the Bible curriculum and what do you hope they'll be able to do by the time they finish this curriculum? Yeah. So, I mean, to summarize it in short, the goal is, mm-hmm. um, the main goal is independence, you know, that they'll be equipped mm-hmm. to do this on their own. Obviously a goal that 
that I have, that's my prayer, you know, was my prayer as I was developing these materials and was my prayer as we were filming the lessons. And it will continue to be my prayer as, you know, as long as the Lord allows us, you know, to continue producing these resources is that God would stir the affections of these kids' hearts towards him. And that as, Mm -hmm. you know, as they learn the truth of God's word, that they would just have their feet firmly planted in it and that they would come to know and love and trust Jesus and would seek him all the days of their life. You know, so that's a Mm. lofty goal. And, you know, part of it, I think, you know, we can give them those skills for independence where, you know, the affections of their heart and the conviction of their sin, that's something that can only come from the Holy Spirit. But that's, you know, that's definitely a goal that we pray towards Mm -hmm. that the Lord would Mm -hmm. use these materials for that purpose. And then Mm -hmm. how we accomplish that goal, um, we really break it up into three different arenas. And the first area that we cover is just knowing the big story. Because I remember when I had this moment that I will never forget, I was in, I think I was in fourth grade and I was in my Sunday school class. And I remember just, we were learning the story of Balaam and Balak. And that's when King Mm -hmm. Balak hires Balaam, the sorcerer to curse the Egyptians, you know, and Balaam (laughs) disobeys God and his donkey, you know, ends up talking to him. Um, And I just remember how, like staring at the tiles on the floor thinking, what in the world kind of book is the Bible? Like, I'm so confused. You know, some days we're learning semi-normal stories like David being anointed king. Like, we, you know, we don't have kings in the right. US, but I understand this concept. Right. I was like, sure. and then other weeks we're learning like, about rules, like the 10 commandments. And then other weeks we're learning about good things that we should have in our life, like the fruits of the spirit. And then other weeks we're learning like these off the wall stories, like a sea opening up and parting and like thousands of people walking across on dry land. Right. And other weeks it's like, you know, a donkey starts to talk to someone. And <laughs> I was just so confused. And so that confusion really never went away in my childhood until I was in college. And I actually started reading the Bible cover to cover on my own. And I was like, Oh, this is the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so we mm-hmm. just walk the kids through the entire narrative of scripture. And we break it up into different time period chunks and we give them, you know, illustrated time period cards and we have them put together this timeline every week, just so that by the end of the 10 lessons we go through and knowing the big story, that they just know that story forward and backwards. And in each lesson, Mm -hmm. we're having them dive into scripture. That's part of that Bible time period. And we're having them look for the themes of God's faithfulness human rebellion and God's rescue plan. So we just want them to know Mm -hmm. the whole story and see it as this cohesive whole. Then the second thing that we do is we equip them with several basic skills that they need for sound biblical interpretation. Now, I mean, this is not exhaustive. It's not every single skill they could possibly need, but just some basic ones like like what I've already mentioned in reading a verse in context. And so we give them several popular Bible verses that are taken out of context mm-hmm. that are often used to mean <laughs> things that they actually don't yes. mean. Yes. And so yes. we actually have them read those verses in context and say, okay, when we actually look at the verses before and after, what is God actually saying in this Bible right, verse? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So just I saw really this great skill. Yeah, I saw this great, um, there's a mug out there, and it's actually, I I actually have the little wooden plaque on my refrigerator. It says, um, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. (laughs) Yes, yes, that is very true, and that's not what we want our kids doing. That's right, that's right. 
I love that. Key skill there. Another thing that we cover is we cover um, the difference between a descriptive passage and a prescriptive passage and how in descriptive Mm -hmm. passages, those are stories where God is furthering along his big story. And then we talk about how prescriptive passages are ones where we're actually given commands. And so a lot of times Mm. what people will do, you know, I mean, this is just kind of like a silly example, but they'll take something like David and Goliath and they'll use it to squeeze out this lesson that really isn't there. Like, you know, like God Mm -hmm. is in favor of the underdog or, you know, like you need to give others a chance when they're the little guy, which is like, I mean, could we (laughs) learn that lesson? Like maybe, but when we look at this as a whole, we look at what's going on here. Like God is being faithful to the covenant he made with Israel because he promised Mm -hmm. that when they trusted him and obeyed him, he would bless them and protect them. And that's exactly the promise that David is resting in when he's like, who is this Philistine that he's making fun of the armies of the living God? And so so we're just teaching them to look at the difference between descriptive and prescriptive. And then another really important thing is we cover how, you know, there's not different meanings for different people. Um, mm-hmm. That when we come to the text, we're looking for God is the ultimate author of scripture. And what is the meaning that God has placed in this text? You know, sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. And we have to search, you know, deeper. And there are times even when Christians disagree over things because we're fallen, you know, and we're never going to have a perfect understanding of scripture. But we don't look at the Bible and say, well, what does this verse mean to you? It's like, you know, what has God revealed about himself yes. in this yes. passage? So that's mm-hmm. the second portion. And then the final one is how do we read different genres? You know, how do we read? a psalm different than we read a book of history? How do we read one of the biographies, the gospels different than we read an epistle? Just understanding, you know, how to read a genre correctly so that we're not, again, taking a verse in the Psalms that's figurative, you know, talking about, you know, how, you know, have me as the apple of your eye, you know, that's just a silly example. But, you know, if we read that in a history book, it might actually be literal, you know, where when we're right, in a right. psalm, it's poetry and it's figurative language. So we just want to give kids those skills of knowing the whole story, understanding how to interpret scripture and understanding how to read each genre correctly. Hmm. That is, that's, I, I love that. It just sounds so um, whole and complete. And I mean, I'm thinking, I think I need this curriculum for myself. <laughs> <laughs> really do. I love this. Um, but, but, you know, we live in a culture where this age group, eight to 12 year olds, they're so busy with all kinds of mm. extracurricular activities. And many parents are probably thinking it would be really difficult to work this into an already busy homeschool schedule or extracurricular schedule. So share with us, why is studying the Bible curriculum easier to implement into busy schedules than some parents might be thinking? Yes. Well, I know that you're all about the unhurried homeschooler Mm -hmm. and keeping things simple. And that just makes me smile because that so goes along with my heart. (laughs) Like I just Mm. love keeping things simple. And I know as a you know, as a teacher, I always hated when I picked up a curriculum and there were so many ideas that I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness gracious, like, what am I going to do here? (laughs) You know, what am I going to choose? What's best? I just love when things are very simple, when they're straightforward, they're not muddled or hurried, you know, they're just very clean cut. And so that's what this curriculum is, is we know that homeschooling parents are so busy, you know, because they're playing, you know, like they're, 
playing the role of mom and dad 24 seven, you know, and mm-hmm. they're also taking on the added role of teacher, which is a blessing, you know, but also comes with so many responsibilities. And so with the way we've designed this curriculum, really in all of our curriculums is they're 30 lessons long so that they're designed to be implemented once a week. So we're not talking about, you know, five days a week, because I know for myself, when I start to fall behind on something, I get stressed out and then yes. I usually let it fall to the wayside. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we said, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. We know every homeschooling parent, you know, organizes their school year differently. Some follow the traditional school calendar, you know, 40 weeks, others homeschool throughout the entire year. And so we thought, you know, 30 weeks, that gives you, you know, 22 weeks of leeway, you know, where you can say a mm-hmm. nice margin in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not going to be behind forever. And it's just for one hour once a week. So you can oh, fit it into your that. normal homeschooling day. Or if you're saying, you know what, we don't have time for that, but you know, we do have Saturday mornings or we do have Sunday mm-hmm. afternoons, you know, mm-hmm. you can do it then. So we just are about making things simple and easy. And that's another reason why we also do video teaching so that parents don't have to feel the stress of thinking, okay, I have to learn this whole concept before I teach it to my child. You know, every homeschool mom that's gone through algebra or geometry or trigonometry, you know, knows that stress of being like, oh my goodness, I have to figure this out for myself before I teach it to my child. And so that's why we do videos to say, you know, we know that many parents haven't been trained in this way to interpret scripture on their own. You know, this is, this is a gap in many of our understanding, you know, as adults. And so we just say, you know, if you've never been trained in this way, pull up a chair, sit next to your child and learn together. And what a joy Mm -hmm. that is when you can learn together as a family. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned the Saturday morning thing. I think, oh my goodness, this could be so fun. You could plan like a really fun breakfast, like, Mm. you know, waffles or whatever the kid's favorite meal is. And just, you know, around a a fun meal or a fun snack or just a fun environment, um, take the hour and do this with your kids. Um, My goodness, I love how doable that is. And I love that uh, it it gives the parents uh, so much flexibility in how they do it. I know a lot of homeschooling parents out there will, they'll do, you know, certain things, certain days of the week, like they won't necessarily do science every day of the week, or they won't necessarily do, you know, history every, they'll alternate. So this is something you could throw into the rotation during the week as well. So lots of options there. Um, I have a couple more questions for you. So specifically about this age group, eight to 12, that's the age that starts to get a bit difficult in terms of what culture throws at them. So talk to us about why it's important to lay a foundation of truth and biblical literacy early on. Yes. So like you said, this age group of eight to 12, it's such a foundational time. So many things are going on developmentally. You know, it's when we're really solidifying our relationship with our children, you know, as they're starting to become slightly more independent and to start Mm -hmm. to think critically. And so it's so important during these years that we do two things. One, as you said, you know, lay this foundation of biblical literacy because, you know, we don't have any control over whether our children will choose to love and trust Jesus or whether they choose to reject the gospel. You know, ultimately, we, you know, we don't have control over that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's up to our child and the work of the Holy Spirit. But if our children do choose to reject the gospel, we don't want it to be because they never fully understood it. And they never Mm -hmm. fully understood Mm -hmm. what the Bible is saying. We want to do everything that's in our power to make sure that our children 
understand God's good design in all areas of life. And really, in order to do that, we need to make sure that they have a solid understanding of scripture. And Mm -hmm. so in these years, you know, when their reading skills are starting to develop more, when they're able to do more independent reading, when they're able to do more critical thinking, it's in these years that we really want to make sure that they are grounded firmly in God's word, you know, not just having a handful of random verses memorized, but actually Mm -hmm. understanding the entire narrative and how it actually describes life as we find it in the world around us. And then the second thing we want to do is we want to prepare them for everything they're going to be facing in culture, which we know, you know, with everything that's going on in our world around us, we can't directly prepare them for every single lie they're going to encounter. But what we can do is we can ground them in the truth of God's word and we can equip them with the careful thinking skills that they need to be able to determine, okay, what is this idea I have just been confronted with? Is this idea true? How do I know whether or not it's true? And does it line up with God's word? And so if we can do those two things, we are setting our kids, you know, on the trajectory for being able to know and love and trust Jesus and remain faithful in the midst of a very secular culture. Mm. You know, and that leads me actually to the, my last question. Um, should parents be overprotective at this age and shield their kids from culture, or is there a different approach you've seen work? And the second question, uh, second part of this, what advice do you have for parents who want to teach their kids truth but are getting overwhelmed by the counter messages in culture? Mm. Yeah, well, for for the first part of your question, you know, about, you know, how much should we shelter? Obviously, it's it's very wise not to just throw our kids into the lion's den. Mm -hmm, (laughs) You know, that mm -hmm. would be a very unwise thing because they don't have the skills they need yet, you know, to discern truth from error and, you know, to even just, you know, not cultivate an appetite for the things of the world. And the example that I like to give of what I think is, is really healthy is is the example of hand sanitizer and something that happened in my own life. In my first year of teaching, you know, like every typical first year teacher, I got sick a lot because I was exposed to so many more germs. And then my second year of teaching, I got sick even more. And then my third year of teaching, I got sick even more, which is not what was supposed to happen. I was supposed to be developing immunity. So eventually by Christmas break, I went to the doctor and I said, listen, I have been on five rounds of antibiotics, you know, since the start of the school year, I don't want to be on anymore. So I'm not looking for a pill. I'm looking for a solution of like, okay, what is the root error here that I'm, you know, what's going Mm -hmm. on with me? And so he asked, started asking me a bunch of questions. And one of the questions he asked me was how often I washed my hands. And I said, well, you know, I don't have a sink in my classroom. It's a mobile classroom. I said, so I just have hand sanitizer. And he said, well, how often do you use hand sanitizer? And I was like, well, kind of a germaphobe. So I use it probably 50 plus times a day. (laughs) And he was like, okay, I think we found our problem. And he said, you know, Elizabeth, (laughs) like using hand sanitizer or washing your hands before you eat food is a really good idea. And then if you have to rub your eye, you know, or your nose, mm-hmm. it's a good idea. Then mm-hmm. he said, but if you're continually use, using hand sanitizer throughout the day, what you're doing is you're not only killing 
all of the viruses and bacteria on your hands, but you're killing all of the good bacteria as well. And you're not letting yourself get exposed to these germs in small doses. So then when you are mm. exposed to them in larger doses, your body doesn't have any natural immunity to them. So he said, mm. I'd really prefer that you wash your hands. So wash your hands when you can. And if you can't only use the hand sanitizer before you eat or before you rub your eye or your nose. And so right. I started following his advice and I actually didn't, I wasn't on antibiotics for another five years. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. And so, yeah, because, you know, my body just developed this natural immunity. So I think that's really what we need to do with our kids. You know, we don't want to just, you know, we're not just going to throw our kids in the hospital ward, you know, and be like, good luck around right. all the sick people. You right. know, but <laughs> we, we don't want to continually sanitize everything so that they right. don't have immunity towards some of these lies. And so I would say, encourage parents that protection does not equal complete isolation. It equals preparation. So I would say we have mm -hmm. to expose our kids to some of these lies in small dosages while they're mm -hmm. still within the safety of our own homes and then teach them how to break down these lies. Um, and then the second part of your question, you know, what about parents who are saying, I feel so overwhelmed. There's so much coming at me in culture. And I would say, Yes. A lot of times culture just feels like that, you know, that scene in I Love Lucy where Lucy and Ethel and Ricky and Fred switch jobs and Lucy and Ethel go to the candy factory and just, you know, all these candies are coming down the line too fast, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. to catch them. And Lucy looks at Ethel and says, Ethel, I think we're fighting a losing game. And sometimes it just feels like that in culture. But if we can give our kids just some basic skills, like the skills to recognize that truth is objective, if we can train them just to pause and ask the question, what is that idea I have just been faced with? Mm -hmm. Is it true? Mm -hmm. How do I know whether or not it's true? We don't then have to teach them every single lie that's going to come their way, but we're giving them just some of these basic skills. Like in the last episode you and I did, we talked about equipping, you know, younger kids, like four to seven year old or four to eight year olds to understand the difference between truths and feelings. And if we can do that with our eight to 12 year olds as well, and they understand that there's a difference between something that's true and something that's a feeling, you know, then when our next door neighbor or our cousin or someone that we see in the community who is one gender starts dressing like another gender. We don't have to have this huge freak out conversation and explaining mm -hmm. gender identity and all this. We can have a conversation with them and say, okay, you know, Jenny next door is now going by the name James. So what kind of body did God give Jenny? God gave her a girl body. So what's the truth mm -hmm. about her body? It's a girl body. And then what does Jenny think she is? Jenny thinks she's a boy. Is that a truth or is that a feeling? Oh, that's a feeling. When we mm -hmm. experience feelings, what question do we have to ask ourselves? We have to ask ourselves, is this feeling pointing me towards truth or away from it? So Jenny's mm -hmm. feeling about being a boy, is that pointing her towards the truth or is that pointing her away from it? You know, and then we mm -hmm. can have the follow-up conversation, you know, about how we're going to interact, you know, by, right. by being right. loving and kind, you know, but also not buying into this lie. But, you know, if we can lay these foundations, then when these big cultural issues come front and center, we don't have to have this freak out moment in this long conversation. We can just ask a couple of key questions, you know, about truth right. and emotions. And so if parents can just, you know, pause take a deep breath, think about teaching just a few of these skills, then we don't have to prepare them for every single, you know, lie they're going to encounter because they're going to understand the foundation of truth. Mm. So good. That is just, this is just a great way to wrap up this episode. I'm so thankful that you were here with us today, Elizabeth. And I wondered if you could let uh, the moms know 
where they can get a hold of this 8 to 12-year-old studying the Bible curriculum. Yes. If you go to foundationworldview.com, you can find all of our curriculums there and you can also find a whole bunch of other free resources. So it's foundationworldview.com. Great. And I will include that link in the show notes for you moms. Again, Elizabeth, thank you for being with us today. I'm so, I'm so grateful that you took this time with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on Dorinda. All right. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Lord, I'm just so thankful for your goodness to us. I'm so thankful for resources like this that equip us well for the time that we live in. And we were made to to live in such a time as this, and so are our children. And so thank you for giving us the tools and uh, the things that we need to, uh, like I said, equip our children for their future. And we just thank you that it doesn't have to be overly complex, but that we can... um, help our kids find their footing on solid, um, biblical, simple biblical truth and be able to navigate the future. So we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray blessing over every family listening today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.